Welcome in to the Think Deeper podcast. We are very excited. I don't know what adjective to go with this week. A, I don't know, a controversial episode. A, I don't. I don't riveting. I don't, I don't. Riveting. Okay, riveting. Joe, uh, it's a riveting ex- episode we have this week on parenting, gentle parenting, kind of trends that our generation is going through right now. Um, yeah, some pretty wild stuff we're going to get to. But before. It is the big day. Focus Plus is out. We have been working hard on this for months, uh, the last week especially, just making sure everything's polished and ready to go. We are thrilled to introduce Focus Plus. Uh, focuspress.org slash p- uh, plus, P-L-U-S, spell it out, not not the symbol. Focuspress.org slash plus will give you the information on how to sign up, how to get in there, how to get access to all of the new content. Um on day one, there's already a bunch of stuff in there, videos, there's an article from Dr. Brad, there's a sermon you can listen to, and each week, we're going to have the deep end, the Think Deeper deep end, where you as the listeners, those who are Focus Plus subscribers, can comment on the Think Deeper upload that we put into the Patreon, the Focus Plus. We will take your questions, your comments, your feedback on the episode, we're going to save some of our discussion in the episode, and we're going to release each Friday the deep end. Uh, the Think Deeper Deep End, and so we've got instructions within Focus Plus how to get access to the Deep End, and we'll be uploading that each Friday. So, you need to become a Focus Plus Plus subscriber if you want access to the Deep End and everything else that comes with Plus, and the deadline is by Wednesday night. Get your comments, questions, additions uh, in on the post there. We'll, we'll let you know in Focus Plus where to post, where to interact to get your questions and comments on the deep end segment and we'll take those we'll record a little bit more towards the end of the week and we'll have that uploaded each friday and so again the deep end is just one of many perks that comes with focus plus we are thrilled another, to roll an, it out go ahead another perk is this, this snazzy video edition of think deeper that uh, you you now get if you'd like you know as as a focus plus subscriber i understand not everybody's going to be all for that but hey Maybe our wives will, will watch us, you know, because they want to see our faces. There you go. Somebody will, uh, hopefully. Right. <laughs> um, I've never understood. Some people are very big into the video podcast thing. I'm always moving when I listen to a podcast, but some people uh, want that to, to be offered. So we'll go ahead and have that uploaded to Focus Plus as well. So again, all of this and more, a new special on transgenderism from Dr. Brad Harib as uh, our kind of flagship thing we rolled out today. Hour long, basically, basically like long. a documentary. Yeah, Right, a full full lesson on transgenderism from Dr. Brad. Um, articles, again, just new stuff four or five times a week. I mean, it's just going to be tons of content. So uh, I did a video on what are the Nephilim, and so that's uh, uploaded there as well. Uh, there'll be more question and answer ones coming each week. So focuspress.org slash plus... P-L-U-S, and you'll be able to see how to sign up, what all comes with it, all of that. So please check that out. Now let's get to our riveting episode. Um, Joe is our resident licensed therapist. Uh, This is something that I think you have come into contact with more than us, is this idea of gentle parenting. It's kind of the, the hot new thing. It's a very big TikTok thing. It's a very big Instagram thing. It's very much an influential thing on social media, and so because of that, a lot of uh, Christians are getting into it, have thoughts on it, there's a lot of books out there, tons of content. If you don't know what it is, let's start there, I guess. Some people might think, what is gentle parenting? Obviously, there's you know some things you can deduce off the top, but let's get into what specifically it is before we start talking about everything we have on our outline. 
Absolutely. And just to reiterate what you said, no, we're not the experts. Like we, we do want to discuss parenting. I'm in my opinion, gentle parenting is horrendous. I think it's stupid. I think it's anti common sense. Um, I think it is just in a, a pendulum Tell us how swing. You really feel. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to come out off, off the top and say that just so everybody kind of knows where we stand on this. Um, we're going to back that up with a lot of things. We're going to describe what it is and try to do it justice. We really want to make sure that we are really steel manning this, right? Building up this argument to make sure that we're not getting it wrong and just picking apart the easiest parts of it. There are aspects of this that have some benefits we'll get into, but we do want to start right off the bat and say, no, we're not experts. I'm, I am a therapist of seven years, licensed professional counselor. I've worked extensively with kids, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours with kids, families, doing parenting things, um, you know, helping parents. And so it's not that I know nothing about the subject. We just want to make sure that if somebody comes and goes, well, what gives you guys the right? You guys have a bunch of, you know, I think Gloria is going to be five here in a little while. That's the oldest kid we have. We're not coming from knowing after 60 years, but we do have some expertise in this area. Well, and let me speak to that for just a second. And we may have brought this up before the idea that you have to have lived through every single experience to be able to speak on that experience is simply, is simply not true. Does it help to have the perspective? Absolutely. But we can look at our society and we can see that there is a kid problem. There is a uh, you know, disrespect uh, is through the roof with kids. You know, we have more crime. We have just kids are behaving less and less. And so do us three have to have fully grown adult kids to be able to look at that, this kid problem that our society has and say, okay, now we can finally comment on that now that our kids are grown. And we don't think so. And, and for anybody else who might have, you know, younger kids or maybe no kids at all who are looking at this, understand, again, you don't have to have, have gone through the gauntlet to be able to at least look at it and question it. And that's what, question it. And that's what we're doing with this episode, with this, with this idea of gentle parenting, with these different types of parenting styles. We're not sitting up here telling you we've done everything this way and therefore this is the way to do it. But we're asking questions because we see a society. We see, again, I've, I've worked with young people. I worked with young people back in Decatur. We see young people and we interact with young people often. And there is a difference in the young people of today as opposed to the young people of even five, 10 years ago, 15, 20. You just keep going back down the list. And so, again, you can look at the, at the society we live in. You can look at the culture. You can look at the way kids are behaving and being raised these days. And I think it's fair, regardless of your parenting experience, to at least call into question and to think deeper about it. I just wanted to throw that in there because I think that's important for really any subject. I think one of the other things is on on getting it right, experience and triangulation of, of kind of learning as you go. That's something that we don't have that experience there. On this, when we're talking about something that is very clearly wrong, I think as Christians, we should be able to call out and say, well, this is not what God has called us to do. And you know, we're we're putting our cards on the table pretty early. When we get into some of these things, when we get into some of these articles, some of these uh, quotes on social media, some of these books, things that are that are out there, you're gonna see what it is because I think as you know, Will is talking about that the generation gap, the differences. Uh, Dr. Brad posted about this a few weeks ago about parents and or grandparents, especially seeing so much disrespect from kids and saying, what is this? Where is this coming from? And like, if you're a member of your your neighborhood Facebook group or um, what's that app next door, and you see the discussions, the stuff about on the school buses, the words that these kids are saying to each other, and and sometimes people have the instinct to say, well, kids will be kids. There's always been bullies. There's always been fights at school. There's there have, 
it is on such a different level right now. I mean, the the insanity. And you're blind if you and, think otherwise. Well, and teachers, teachers that have been around for you know decades are saying no. There, it's a whole different brand of kid right now. Like things have declined so precipitously in the last ten to fifteen years that you don't even recognize the the people you're dealing with, kind of thing. And so you start asking, where does that come from? And I think what we're getting into here is some of that. No doubt, but. Can we also agree that parenting has gotten, in my opinion, exponentially harder? Because of all the mommy blogs, because of all the books, there's so much information to take in, so many different parenting styles. Um, I, I taught this at Nashville School of Preaching. Um, there's several different parenting styles out there. Uh, some people will not be familiar with it all. Helicopter parenting, snowplow parenting, gentle parenting, free-range parenting, permissive, neglectful, authoritarian. When Joe sent us this list, I was I was shocked. There were there were like eight on this list. Oh, yeah. All very different. Oh, yeah. And when you look at it, like, did our parents have this? Did they have those, right. those lists, those names? Did anybody else um, in the history of the world have as much information about parenting, about biology, about how the brain works with young kids? No. So on the one hand, that's fantastic. We want this. And that's why they say gentle parenting is an evidence, science-backed approach. Because we have so much... Um, science that we're utilizing for how the brain develops these days that we've lost all common sense that's why i say it's anti-common sense is parents are inundated with this we look around and go man these parents these kids are off the rails what do we do about it well if i go to this book that's one thing if i go to these other 30 books there's a bazillion other things so we could talk to 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 each of these parenting styles um we're not going to do that gentle parenting is kind of the hot one of today but gentle parenting to kind of get into what it is it's the hot one of the day because this is it comes from Basically, and people can look this up, it kind of comes from the attachment-based parenting of the 80s. Um, and, but it's it's coined by, the, the term gentle parenting is coined by Sarah Ockwell Smith, which on Oprah's site, she kind of gives a little background on that. She's written 13 parenting books centered around the gentle philosophy. She's not a pediatrician or a neuroscientist. She, she is, however, a parent of four children of her own. So, and this is crazy. This is right off of Oprah's site, Oprah Daily. On this, gentle parenting has become quite popular on social media. Hashtag gentle parenting has 2.8 billion views on TikTok. As parenting experts and everyday parents offer tips, tricks, and examples of how gentle parenting can work in real life. So why are we covering this specific one? Because there's 2.8 billion views on TikTok for this specific thing. It's the hot button item. And also, Joe, let me point out, which you're probably about to get into, it has appealing elements it no has doubt. just enough elements to it where somebody could read a very vague or one that maybe paints it in just a positive light, you know, an article about it and go, oh, that, that's got some merit. You know, maybe we should look, you know, it's not one of those where you read it and you go, okay, they're, they're anti-discipline, they're anti, you know, whatever. So no, no thanks. It gets presented in a very appealing way in many cases. So sorry to cut you off. You might've been getting into that. No, you're good. You're good. Um, now that does bring us into what it is because there's a lot of people that are going to balk at this. Here's the issue. I Google what is gentle parenting. The first five articles may disagree on how this works. One's going to say it's not permissive parenting. Another says it's not boundary-free parenting. Others say, you know, practical terms, it kind of is. Like you want the kid to be able to lead and we don't want to we don't want to go against the boundaries. Jack, I'll let you get into an article you sent me uh, here recently. But um, this is just from Guidepost Montessori. This is why I'm, I'm quoting the sources so you can go look these up. We don't want it to be like, oh, you're just mischaracterizing. Now, this is straight from these sources. Guidepostmontessori.com says, Gentle parenting is a parenting approach that encourages a partnership between you and your child to make choices based on an internal willingness instead of external pressures. Let me say that again. 
It's a parenting approach that encourages a partnership between you and your child, the parent and the child, to make choices based on an internal willingness instead of external pressures. This parenting style asks you to become aware of the behavior you model for your child, encourage compassion, welcome emotions, and accept the child as a whole, capable being. Okay, fellas, right off the bat, are you hearing anything in that specific thing that causes your uh, radar to go off a little bit? Because it does to me, and let me tell you where I'm coming from. It's a parenting approach that encourages a partnership between you and your child. What's the problem with partnership? That assumes we're all equal in the relationship. That's not how God designed it. There's no partnership here. This is a, as as um, they might say on Remember the Titans, this is a dictatorship. As uh, Why am I blanking on this? Denzel. 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 How could I forget Denzel Washington? This is a dictatorship. No, I mean, we're not dictators as parents, but at the same time, it's like there's a clear rule here as to who's in charge. This partnership idea is we're all together in this family. Yeah, we are. You're a part of the family. You're a needed part of the family. We want to let kids know that. But You're also at a lesser level than I am. That's exactly it. Parent. God put me above yeah. you, and there's that aspect. The second thing, um, based on an internal willingness instead of external pressures, how do you bring about internal willingness? External pressures. How do I know not to touch a hot stove? I have an internal willingness to touch the hot stove. How do I change that internal willingness not to? By two, two ways. My parent pops my hand when I do it, or I touch the stove. Honey, you shouldn't touch that. Hey, honey, make sure that you don't touch the stove. How often does that work for a curious kid? Not very well. External pressures have to be involved, but this is straight from the site. There's another one. I'll take it from a different well, one. Well, I was just going to say, one of the things that stuck out to me, because I, I copied some quotes off of those articles that you sent that stuck out to me, and uh, again, don't know if you're going to get into this a little bit later, but it contrasted this gentle parenting with what it called tiger parenting, which I had never heard of before. Um, but the way that this particular, um, was it guideposts? I, I think you, you said a second ago what it was. It was that first article where they said, meanwhile, those who practice more rigid parenting styles, such as tiger parenting, may view gentle parenting as too lenient. Tiger parenting is a strict parenting style that focuses on raising driven, high-achieving kids. Seems like a decent how, thing. How dare they? As, right, exactly. Like, man. As a result, tiger parenting often requires their kids to practice skills or study for lengthy periods of time often at the expense of leisurely activities like play dates, sleepovers, and other fun activities. That's what's really stuck out to me is the, just like you see the world revolves around the kid in the, I guess, gentle parenting approach. Again, as described by this article, this, this was a pro-gentle parenting article, and it was very clearly stating, look, there's some parents that actually require their kids to study and require their kids to do things that maybe aren't the most fun and enjoyable things, whereas this parenting style encourages the sleepovers and the activities and the, the, the fun things. And so that's what stuck out to me is that it, it paints you know a parenting style that is designed to maybe raise more driven, more motivated, and more high-achieving kids in a negative light, which was confusing to me. Well, what you'll hear is those are people that push it too far. The kid never gets to have a sleepover because they always right, have they to be studying. Right, they overdo it, sure. They overdo it, no doubt. Yeah, that happens. And if you want to call it tiger parenting, sure. If that's what's meant by that, where these parents never let their kids have fun because they always have to overachieve, yeah, the parents have their own problems living vicariously through their kid. Their reputation matters too much to them. I mean, there's all sorts of issues on that end of it. But instead, as I said at the beginning, this is a pendulum swing approach where we swing it too far back. Here's verywellfamily.com. I'll say this, and then Jack, I'm going to turn it over to you here for a second. Gentle parenting is an evidence-based approach to raising happy, confident children. So this is their opening line to what is gentle parenting. 
It's an evidence-based approach to raise uh, to raising happy, confident children. Well, that sounds good. This parenting style is composed of four main elements, empathy, respect, understanding, and boundaries, and focuses on fostering the qualities you want in your child by being compassionate and enforcing consistent boundaries. Unlike some more lenient parenting methods, gentle parenting encourages age-appropriate discipline that teaches valuable life lessons. Those who practice gentle parenting encourage working together as a family to teach their children to express their feelings, but in socially acceptable, age-appropriate manner. Gentle parenting is viewed as a beneficial method for raising happy, independent, and confident children. To your point, Will, as you said earlier, what parent or what person is going to balk at that? What person is going to look at that and go, how dare they? Of course, I want to be empathetic to my kid. I want to be understanding of my kid. I want to have consistent boundaries. The problem with this is how this is taken. If that's how you're going to define gentle parenting, then let's get into the nitty-gritty of how we actually maintain boundaries. Let's get into the nitty-gritty of how we actually pay attention to our kids' emotions and which ones we choose to to engage with and which ones we don't. Um, if this is truly what it is and that's all it is, that sounds like a fantastic parenting method. No wonder why people can be duped into it. The problem is that's not how it's carried out in, in terms of setting consistent boundaries. What that means is we don't have any boundaries because that might hurt the kid's feelings, which we'll get into. But Jack, I wanted you to speak to, because I already referenced it, I want you to speak to the article that you gave, um, that, that you sent me and why some of this can be so detrimental, specifically on the practical end. As you're hearing the what is it, you go, boy, that sounds good to me. Why is this not a good thing? So, yeah, I'll get into that article in a minute. One of those things where, first of all, you mentioned the partnership. It hit me that there are so many things in which the idea of hierarchy is under attack in our society. And it really, it's very closely paralleled to the critical theory thing, um, which not just critical race theory. Everyone hears about critical race theory, but the broader thing, critical theory, applies to so many things. And that's where you get the intersectionality of privilege and, you know, a hetero white male is, you know, the worst. Well, think about where kids fall in the privilege hierarchy is they're lower on it. So we got to elevate them. And the other thing about it is parents look at themselves and think, well, I'm damaged from my upbringing. And so I'm really not qualified to set my kids straight. And so I'm just going to let the kid, basically, I've got to step back and elevate them. And you can see the danger in that. I mean, God created this hierarchy for a reason. And so hierarchy is out the window. Obedience is essentially out the window. You have brought up this article. This is on um, uh, instituteforfamilystudies.org. And he's talking about the political views, which, as I was just getting into, and how they affect parenting. And he starts off talking about he is a family doctor and... Uh, mom brought her girl in for uh, to get a sickness checked and you know he had to do the tongue depressor thing asked the girl to open her mouth and say ah and she shook her head i think it was a six-year-old girl i believe um just yeah six-year-old fever sore throat he said open your mouth say ah shook her head wouldn't do it so he turned to the mom and said uh, mom you know little help here just wanted her to say hey it's okay honey go ahead and the mom said well her body her choice just letting wow. the six-year-old decide, well, I, you know, whether I'll let this doctor help me or not. And he goes on from there to talk about some of the different examples. There's one I, specifically I wanted to get to here um, that he had come across uh, this, well, a few things. He said, the gentle par- parent does not toilet train the child, but instead models toileting for the child, which will, they hope will inspire the toddler to want to use the toilet. One mother was playing with her son, then gently let him know that she needed to take a break from playing with him in order to do some housework. Her son exploded in anger, hitting and kicking his mom. 
That mom reached out to Robin Einzig, a leading guru of gentle parenting. Apologies if I pronounced that wrong. Uh, to ask what she should do in that situation. Einzig responded without hesitation, he's telling you very clearly that right now he needs your presence. In other words, forget the house cleaning. You have to play with the boy until he decides to stop. I, I mean... I'm, I'm curious. What do you guys think you should do if, if your kid starts kicking and hitting you? Are we ready to... Not that, yeah. <laughs> Are we <laughs> right, ready right. to get into dropping no, the no, bomb? But the, here, yeah. Let me, right, let me no. finish this uh, analysis yeah, here. It says, yeah. Jessica Winter, writing for the New Yorker, observes that gentle parenting requires the parent to transform himself or herself into a self-renouncing, perpetually present humanoid who has nothing but time and who is programmed for nothing but calm. Winter predicts that the, ne predicts that the next generation can anticipate blaming their high rates of depression and anxiety on the over-validation and under-correction native to gentle parenting. And that goes exactly to what Joe was saying about the pendulum swing thing of, man, parents might have been too hard on you, might have been too disciplinary on you, too expected too much out of you, whatever else. And that has adverse effects. So we'll go to this other side of the kid. You are God in the family. You run the show. That's going to have negative effects too. It's a recipe for creating narcissists is, is what it is. And one of the things that stuck out to me in the second article that Joe referenced, um, th this, this approach is very anti-command, very anti-directive. You're, you're not really supposed to to, again, give commands or give imperatives or give directives to the kids. In fact, in that article, this is a direct quote, it says, swap commands, I think this is the guidepost article, swap commands for an invitation to work together. This can be as simple as changing the format of your demand to a question that encourages your child to work collaboratively with you. While a demand might sound like tie your shoes, a gentle parenting alternative would ask, shouldn't we tie our shoes so we don't trip? It's very again. It's 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 anti-command. It's you are just as equal of a partner in this relationship as me. Let me say something that's going to encourage you in the right direction, without ever coming out and saying it. And again, when I say it creates narcissists, what if if that's the style that a kid has, you know, as far as the parenting for him or her, what's going to happen when he or she gets to a their first corporate job and their boss tells them, "I need this by this day. Do this by you know, do this on this day. Do this at this time." you know, that's not how they've been raised, right? It's the boss is not going to say, so don't you think you should have that submitted by the deadline? Or don't you think that that's not how it works? And this parenting style, once again, apply common sense to it. What is it going to create? It's a recipe for creating narcissists who think that they can never, again, really be told what to do to have any kind of, and you know, again, I'm sure the advocates would say that this, this changes, the approach might change a bit later on in life. But man, if you start with a kid at that early of an age and they don't learn Sometimes there's things that I'm going to be instructed to do that I don't want to do, and guess what? I have to do it. Not in a question, you know, wouldn't it be better to do this form, but a, hey, go tie your shoes. Go make your bed. It's time for bed. Uh, again, apply it to, to any real-world scenario when that kid hits 25 years old. That's just not how life works. And, again, it's, it's common sense, and maybe some would say, well, maybe life shouldn't be that way, but that's simply the way it is. It's, what you're saying is, like, you have to backdoor approach everything with your kid. Right. I can't just tell you to do something. It's like, well, what what if we what if we tried it this way? Just come out and say it because what happens later is you're It's like you're trying to fool the child. Exactly. And consider later in marriage. We have marriages fall apart and we have a lot of people afraid to get into marriages, but partly is because nobody can say anything on its nose. And you see this with Gen Z quite a bit is they kind of take that awkward like uh, either nothing matters or whatever it is and it's like they skirt around what they actually want. Nobody can come out and say, "Hey, this is where we're going and this is what we're doing." We all have to take this like, uh, you know, 
in in the clouds type of thing. Maybe it's it's a little esoteric. It's a little bit um, whatever it is. Like, how, can we just shoot straight with you? No, we can't. And I think that's a direct result from gentle parenting. But before we move on, because we're starting to get into kind of the part of the outline where we take a baseball bat to it, and we got a lot more coming there. But I do want to say this. There are some merits to it. First, kids do have emotions and thoughts, and we have to acknowledge that. They do have emotions. They do have thoughts. And the parenting style of old where it's like kids should be seen but not heard, we can look at that and go, well, kids were a lot better off back then. Yes and no, because we also created a lot of alcoholics and drug abusers. And what do you think the the flower power of the 60s and the wild childs of the 70s, where do you think that came from? They wanted to be heard. They wanted to be cared for. They weren't getting it at home, and so they ran elsewhere. I do blame the parents on that. We should be listening to our kids and their emotions. But there's a big difference between listening to and, and validating an emotion, saying, son, it's okay to be and angry. And letting their emotions run the show. Right. You know when I tell my son it's okay to be angry? Usually after I've disciplined him. And I say, that is not appropriate. You're getting a, you're getting a spanking for this reason. But if you, know, if you want to be angry, here are the, op- uh, the, the other options you can use. So there's parts of this. Again, that has merit. Kids do have emotions and thoughts. Those ought to be heard. Those ought to be validated as much as possible while maintaining boundaries. Parents also in this practice active listening where they do get down on the child's level instead of just, well, I got this and I got that and work comes first and and everything else comes first and the kid learns, I guess I don't matter. It's kind of neglectful. This is like, I do want to get down on your level and I do want to understand and I do want to listen. That's huge. Parents should do that a lot more. They should be engaging with their kids and understanding where their kids are coming from as much as possible. And I would say um, there's there's an intentional element of this. Instead of just winging it day after day, these parents are very intentional. Like, this is how I want to train my kids. I don't want to be angry, reactive parents. A big aspect of gentle parenting is to fight against reactive parents who just start swinging when the kid does something bad or they just you know lash out in anger and call the kid a name when they do something bad. They want to be more intentional and stop that. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I, I don't think we should have any problem with a parent wanting to be more intentional in how they calm themselves down. To, to, to have a strategy and a goal rather Correct. than, well, let me just see how it goes. We react right. to everything. And on the one hand, I think the common sense approach should be, um, you know, should be utilized, which is going to be a little more reactive. I think parents can spend their entire lives and not think at all about what the kid thinks or not think at all about how to help the kid grow onto the best adult. But then you get into, and this is the, we don't even have this on our outline, but you get into a brief discussion on what is the purpose of parenting. And I think this is a, a key thought, a key question that has to be asked. What is the purpose of parenting? And so, gentlemen, I'll throw it to you. I have my own thoughts on it. What would you say is even the purpose of parenting? What are we trying to accomplish here? Well, I think that gets, uh, I, I would take that to somewhere where we're going to get to later on the outline, which is God's part in it. The purpose of parenting is, you know, to train them in the way they should go, of course, Proverbs 22, 6, but especially to model a relationship with God for them. Um, you know, that you discipline because God disciplines, you love because God loves, you guide because God guides. And, and it's kind of a handoff thing of like, I am your earthly representative of God's authority in your life, and I want you to grow into a point where you relate to him the way you've learned to relate to me. Not that we'll ever perfectly emulate God, we're going to fail in so many ways, but that your kid knows, here's what's expected of me, here's how uh, I'm supposed to carry that out, and here's what happens if I don't. All of those things that are modeling that relationship with God, I think, is priority number one. It models the hierarchy as well, which I think speaks to what what we were going to get at a little bit later, is that 
I think I brought this up a couple episodes ago. God could have created it any way he wanted to and said, okay, you know, children and parents, you guys are on the same level. You're just one family. Y'all figure it out with no authority, no structure, no hierarchy of any kind. He didn't do it that way. He, he, he designed it this way. So again, one of the things that I believe is so kids recognize and understand this is how I obey and submit and respect to my earthly father and my earthly parents. Therefore, whenever I am out of the house, whenever I am a full grown adult, that doesn't go out the window. I now transition that into this is how I submit and this is how I obey and this is how I respect my heavenly father. And again, anytime you get distorted in any way, uh, you know, a, a kid's view of hierarchy or a kid's view of respect and obedience to whatever their next authority is, if that gets perverted or twisted in a kid's mind, that's going to do serious damage to their relationship with God, which I think is what Jack was getting at there. And so, you know, yes, the purpose of parenting, you know, training up your children to be faithful warriors, obviously passing the faith on to them, creating them, you know, aside from that, creating them to be well-adjusted adults that, you know, I think that's a big goal as well. It's 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 demonstrating and modeling to them God set up multiple hierarchies in your life. You are not the, 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 the center that the world revolves around. You are not what, what everything, you know, again, revolves around. You don't matter more than anybody else. You are a part of this, and this is your place in this plan that God set. Make sure you know your place. And again, to us, this gentle parenting approach or gentle parenting approach is what kind of throws a wrench into this and really spins it into a way that God really didn't design. But Joe, you had an answer as well. Yeah, yeah. I think Jack said it well in terms of representative. I think we're stewards. Our job, we are stand-ins for God. Whether we want to see it or not, that's exactly what we are. We are stand-ins for God for the kid at a young age. How is he to know hierarchy? How is he to know authority? How is he to know good and bad? You know, right and wrong. How is he to know... Um, pretty much how to act in this world and how to have a relationship with God. That all runs through the parent. That's why the parent is such a key and important role. And when people shirk this and go, well, you know, just try to get them to be as good a people as possible. Like, no, there's an intentionality here of saying, I need my kid to understand where he is in relation to God, which is you're a sinner who needs forgiveness from God. I am too. I'm not perfect. But what am I modeling for my kid? What am I teaching my kid? What am I showing my kid? If I have no boundaries, if I don't ever call them unto something better, because God certainly does. God has boundaries. God calls them to, to all sorts of things. If we don't do that ourselves, we are merely to return the kid unto him. When the kid grows up, leaves and cleaves, right? He is to start his own family, restart the process, and he's to have a, a deeper relationship with God. That starts with our parenting. There is a, a naturally, inherently spiritual element to par parenting that we can absolutely miss. That's why I, I did this right before we get into the issues of gentle parenting is we have to understand what we're doing here. And the goal is not to just have kids who understand their emotions. That's merely a part of it. They need to understand God. They need to understand holiness. They need to understand righteousness and understand a lot of other elements that come into our relationship with God. And that starts with us. So we get into the issues with gentle parenting. And the first that I'm going to mention is it's anti-gospel. It's anti-gospel. It takes the approach that kids are inherently good. And there's posts, you know, Facebook posts and things we could read, even from members of the church, that have this idea of, like, these are all age-appropriate things. Kids are inherently good, and they get messed up due to traumas, and they get messed up due to our own parenting mistakes. Otherwise, they'd pretty much be perfect. They have a really good heart about them. Now, everybody wants to look at their kid and go, oh, how cute, and everything else. We have to realize kids are wretched sinners, okay? 
Um, no, I don't believe in original sin. I'm not a Calvinist. I don't believe you're born with the sin of Adam and you have to, you know, infant baptism. Of course not. We do have a sin nature that will show up and it's not just due to trauma and it's not just due to my mistakes as a parent. We have a sinful nature that desires to rule and desires to be our own God. That's what Eve's sin was all about. I desire to be my own God. Every sin can boil down to I am taking care of me and not my relationship with God. I feel like I'm God. And what we do in gentle parenting, and the reason it's so anti-gospel, is we play into the fact that kids are inherently good. We make excuses for all of their sinful nature coming through, and we fail to set boundaries so as to help mold that, help show them you're a sinful person in need of Christ. If they're never told they're sinful, they're sinners, if they're never told that they're in the wrong, or if they are, it's in such a gentle way that the kid comes out more confused than not, because we're backdoor approaching all of this, the way we're talking, if we're backdoor approaching the way that we call our kids out, how will they ever know their need for Christ? Well, you know, that'll come later in time. That has to start at a young age where you are modeling for them, I am in need of Christ, and so are you as a young kid. No, you're not having a five-year-old get baptized, but he only learns his need for structure, his need for, for you know, to be better through parents calling him to something better. So in my opinion, I think it's very anti-gospel to have a kids are inherently good approach, and you see this a lot, and it's creeping more into the church. Uh, you want to make sure we thread this needle properly because it's it's a difficult thing. As you said, it's not the Calvinism, you know, born, uh, born a sinner and all of the things that are around that, but I think it is more to a, a middle ground than sometimes we give credence to. And and what Romans 7 is talking about, when Paul says, you know, when the commandment came, then I died, he was doing those bad things before he understood it. That's where we get the idea of the age of accountability is he was already doing the bad things. He was already doing things that were wrong. There was just a point in his life where he be, he woke up to the fact of, oh, this isn't okay. God has a problem with this, and I, I you know, am... Uh, accountable for those things. I, I will face justice for those things. But, you know, we've all got, as we mentioned earlier, young kids. My twins just turned one. They walk up and rip toys out of each other's hands. They walk up and, you know, like shove each other down. I mean, like from early on, you're doing things that, and, you know, my, my son, who's just about three, does stuff that he knows is wrong. You know that he knows it's wrong. He doesn't get all of the concepts around it. But, if we had started off with this mindset of, you know, well, he's basically good and it's just environmental factors and, and you have those excuses. Well, he's really tired. Yeah, he is. But being tired doesn't mean you get to just, you know, hit your sister over the head or throw something at her. And so you've got that. And well, he doesn't want to clean up his toys right now. And so let's let's reroute him. Let's let's go. Let's go give him ice cream. Let's go, you know, do something that's going to make him happy. Again, you're starting off with this. Well, he's inherently good, and, and any any bad thing he does isn't his fault. It has nothing to do with him. It's maybe me. It's circumstances or whatever else. You're teaching him not to take responsibility because you're starting off with this inherent goodness. You see this well, in and, things like... No, oh, sorry. Well, go for it. No, you go ahead. I'll take the next one. Go ahead. You see this in things like the kid throws a huge tantrum. Oh, those are just big emotions. He's really feeling a lot right now. No. Emotions are anger. Emotions are sadness. Emotions are happiness. Those are emotions. A tantrum is a behavior that needs to be stopped. But when we take this approach of like, it's not bad. He's not acting out. He's just feeling giving emotions and doesn't know what to do with them. And we need to help him understand that those emotions are okay to have. It's okay to be angry. It's like, yeah, but it's not okay to throw a tantrum in the middle of Walmart. It's not. 
But we tell them that because we have this approach that my kid is inherently good and that his tantrum couldn't possibly be bad. It's just the fact that he has emotions that he doesn't know how to control. Baloney. But once again, that's the the teaching of the anti-gospel aspect of this. Go for it, Will. Well, before, Will, before you move on to the next one, think about, Will brought this up later, of you raise narcissists. If you're not responsible for yourself, and it's always your environment, it's always something on going, always going on around you. Always somebody else's fault. Right. Yeah, it's always somebody else's fault. And you see people grow up with this mindset of the world around me is not perfect, my coworkers are terrible, my boss is terrible, my family members, people are toxic, and so I'm not responsible for me and how I act because it's everybody else's fault because you taught them that at two years old. So and that gets us into kind of the – a lot of these blend together so much. But that kind of gets us into the next element of why there's so many issues with gentle parenting, one of which, again, we kind of already spoke to here. There's a lack of boundaries. It's, it's one of those things. And, again, you read articles. They're not – they're going to say, no, we do have boundaries. But, again, I'm going to read directly from this, this pro-gentle parenting article from Very Well Family. It says, while gentle parents discipline their children, the goal is to teach the child rather than punish them for their behavior. On the surface, that sounds great. Oh, yeah, you want to teach them rather than punish them, but think about what you're actually saying. You'd rather teach them than punishment as or punish them as if punishment is uh, the the worst thing in the world. Let me ask also you that, that it's not might, teaching that like you're right, putting them against not teaching. each other. Yeah. Yeah. False dichotomy there that this might this is jumping to the extreme example. I, I'll grant you here. But when God is going to eternally punish people, is it just to is it just to teach them? Or is he punishing them for what they did? Again, that's a distinction there that we have to make because this gentle parenting approach is this idea, once again, no punishment. Punishment's bad. Let's structure it in a way that teaches them, which, again, sounds so appealing and sounds so great. But we have to – these boundaries have to be set, and the kid has to know if the boundaries get crossed – there is a punishment. Yes, the goal is so that you learn the lesson, but there's going to be punishment whether you learn the lesson or not. And that's something that, again, kids are so much smarter than we give them credit for, especially at a young age. I think a lot of people think kids are dumb. They're so smart, especially with this boundary stuff. You hear that phrase, oh, they're testing the boundaries. You hear that phrase referring to two- and three-year-olds, that they're testing the boundaries. This this setting up punishment as the end-all or not the end-all be-all, but the thing that is to be avoided at all costs, which seems to be what gentle parenting does, is something that is, again, anti-biblical and boundaries absolutely have to be set. Well, here's, here's from the Oprah article. Here's another one. If a teenage child comes home past their curfew, the gentle parenting response would not be to seek out a punitive consequence. This is not to say that there would be no punishment. The parent would explain the importance of honoring the curfew agreement and communicate a natural consequence, such as taking a night off from going out, having an earlier curfew to allow for more cushion for being late, or a plan for reminders to be home on time. We're just going to remind the kid. The consequence would be based on finding the cause of the behavior and addressing it accordingly. So You know how many teenage kids would totally go for that? Like, oh yeah, yeah that sounds exactly. great. Because what happens is they end up getting... There's, there's a... I was telling you guys off air. There's a very well-known book, um, Habits of the Household. It's got a lot of good information in it, no doubt. But he tells a story of he's practicing, and he I think he used the term grace-based parenting. Um, there's a lot of grace-based parents that are just practicing gentle parenting if they're being honest with themselves. And the idea, the kid, I think he's got three-year-old, slaps him upside the face. And instead of the punitive response, he goes upstairs and basically has the kid apologize to him. And the kid wouldn't do it, not for like the first three times. And the kid finally says, sorry. And he hugs it out. It's really nice. Like this is full house or something. You know, they hug it out. And I'm, I think my kid understood that it was not okay. I told him it's not okay to hit people. Do you understand? Do you understand? 
Do you? Are you serious? Your kid slapped you in the face. He knows better than that. There has to be consequences. Whoa, whoa, whoa. The worst thing you could do is to react. We don't want to be reactive parenting. This is the common sense approach that we've absolutely taken out of the out of the situation. Then you get into the, you know, the spanking idea. I know I'm going a little off script, but the spanking idea. Well, why would you hit your kid? It's actually evidence-based approach to not. Why would you hit your kid if they hit you? There's a huge difference between spanking on the bottom appropriately and slapping upside the face. Of course, if you slap your kid upside the face, that's abuse. That's not okay. That's never that's never said to be okay. Spanking is is different though. There has to be rules around it. We're not looking to to leave bruises all over the body. But absolutely, there has to be a punishment that fits the that fits the crime. And this is taking out the no boundaries. Parents feel like they have no ability to set boundaries because if I do this, it's too harsh. If I do that, the kid doesn't understand. It's not age appropriate. And you end up being frozen. You don't know what to do. You're paralyzed and the kid gets away with it. Let me, uh, so we're going to get to, I'm actually going to tee Jack off on the, the spanking. The spanking question is the th- question of this episode. We're going to, you know, we tried to have those group think questions of, you know, if on social media, hey, y'all let us know what, what you think. And full disclosure, one of the elements of this new segment, the deep end, you know, we're going to have this question. Obviously, anybody can answer it on social media, but we're going to be reacting directly to y'all's answers. And if you have other questions, that's, again, another reason to go sign up for Focus Plus and, and get access to this deep end segment because we'll be covering that quite a bit more. So, Jack, I'm going to hand that to you in just a second. I want to just so the listeners can kind of keep track here if you're numbering them or if you're one of those people that likes to have these categories organized like I do mentally. So as far as issues with with gentle parenting, the first one is it's anti-gospel, the, the idea that kids are inherently good. The second is what we just talked about, lack of boundaries. The third one we've already hit on quite a bit is just it's a lack of common sense approach. Um, so we're, we won't spend a lot of time there. Let me hit the fourth one real quick, and then, Jack, I will let you go first on this question of, of physical discipline that Joe kind of got us into. But the fourth one is as far as an issue with gentle parenting is that kids really kind of become the core of the family. We've talked about hierarchy, you know, to some extent here, but it's the idea that again, the family revolves around the kids. And once again, to belabor the point, if kids grow up thinking the family revolves around them, what are they going to think when they leave the family? Oh, my job revolves around me. Oh, my church revolves around me. You know, we talk about consumeristic churches and why, People always think that the church should revolve around them. Maybe this is part of it. Then you get into, again, the world revolves around me, this narcissistic thing that we were talking about a second ago. And so not only, though, do kids kind of become the core of the family and it creates the idea that the family revolves around them, but it's very anti-parent. Parents are bad. Parents are the problem. Parents are the problem in every way. So let's let's eliminate the distance between the parents and the kids and once again kind of put them on an equal playing field. Kind of going back to the, what we started with, being anti-parent is being anti-biblical because that's the way God set it up. And so this approach, you know, no matter how, what kind of positive light people want to spin on it, it is very anti-parent. It's, you know, your emotions matter less than the kids. The kids' emotions, the kids' feelings, they are of the utmost importance. Yours are kind of irrelevant. Yours don't really matter all that much. That, that's so that's so wrong on its face. Joe, go ahead. Yeah, because we want to bring in grace-based parenting. We want to show grace to the kid. Can you have grace for yourself? The idea of gentle parenting and all of these these parenting principles are you can get it right. And when you get it right, you'll help your kid. The point of parenting is to recognize I'm not going to get it right. It is by the grace of God that my kid comes to God. And that's why there's got to be so much prayer and so much turning to God. There can't be the hypocrisy of I never fail. That's an opportunity to grow your kid's relationship with God. But there has to be grace for the parents and to recognize, of course, we're trying to get it right. But getting it right looks different for everybody. 
And I think the, to your point, Will, of it being anti-biblical, or anti-parents, rather, we'll get into biblical, the anti-parents, um, the parents' emotions are, are a problem for the kid. The parent can't get emotional. The parent can't get angry. If the parent gets angry, then you're modeling for the kid that it's, you know, all of these things. And so what happens is the parent bottles up the emotion. The kid smacks him in the face. Instead of getting angry, you go, I'm not, I'm not angry. Honey, tell me about your emotions. And then the kid does it again, and you go, Honey, I can tell you're really feeling strong emotions. Instead of, so what happens is either you build up and you blow up all over your kid. You just, you know, you hit the point where you're done, and it just comes out in all of this anger. And you go, I am so sorry. That's horrible. And you feel like the worst parent of all time. You're down in the dumps because, man, I yelled at my kids and I'm really trying to get this grace-based, this this gentle parenting approach down where I'm not yelling at my kids. Yeah, well, you bottled up all the emotions. The emotions were probably on like a two level at the beginning. Because you let it bottle up, it's at a 10 and you blew up. Or you don't ever blow up at your kid. Your kid never learns boundaries. They never learn that they're behaviors actually have emotional consequences. They come into marriage, they act however they want from a narcissistic point, and they're shocked that their spouse would get ticked at it. They're shocked that their spouse would be hurt by what they did. Why? Because their parents never showed that they actually had emotional consequences. And because emotion doesn't just dissipate and go nowhere, typically it comes out all over the spouse or it comes out in the job or it comes out in other aspects of life where you have a difficult time controlling your emotions. Why? Because you've bottled up your emotions as a parent and been told your emotions are bad. You need to make space for your kids' emotions. And my question would be, who makes space for your emotions? It's not, my, it's not the kids' role to make space. Absolutely it is. If we're talking about modeling here, they need to model for the fact that they actually hurt you, and you're not putting it on them saying, you hurt me so much. It's, honey, when you say those things, that really can hurt people. And that hurts, hurts my feelings when you tell me those things. And I think it would do the same for you. And we tell the kid that, yes, your behavior actually has emotional consequences and actually does emotionally hurt the parent. I'm supposed to be the rock. No, you're not. You're not. And if you get things wrong, there's grace for you just as much as we have to show grace to the kids. So stop with the anti-parent, like, I have to get it all right. You're not going to. You trust in Christ for when you get it wrong. Well, but you're also teaching the kid. I mean, this is radical individualism is what it is at the center of, like, we're going to move heaven and earth for you. And what you need to teach the kid instead is you're part of a family and your actions have consequences of how the family responds to you and, and you respond to the family and you've got to figure out how to fit in as part of this and yeah it it is this is all correcting in a necessary way the idea that hey the parent is not responsible for their anger for their actions their words or whatever else and it's the kid's job to just tiptoe on eggshells at all times to accommodate the parents lack of emotional control for sure that that, that is a problem a that lot. needed to be corrected. Yeah. The other side of it, again, you swing too far to the parent has to walk on eggshells around the kid. And so with the hierarchy thing, you know, there was that trope of like the cool parent, the dad that would put on the backwards hat or the mom who would want to just hang out with the kids and always do something nice for them and be the cool parent and not be the one that comes down on them or disciplines or whatever else. Buddy, buddy, you know, we're my, I just want to be my, my kid's best friend. And there's a lot of critiques of that, rightly so, because you're not their best friend. You're there's a hierarchy but the funny thing was you were trying to be an equal in that point now we're talking about putting the kid on a pedestal where you are below them because of your trauma because of your upbringing because of whatever you're bringing to the table of well i'm i'm not really fit to parent this this young person so i'll just let them drive the train get fit to do it become competent to the point where you can trust yourself that you're not going to blow up on them emotionally and that when you do overstep your bounds you can apologize i mean like handle yourself so that you can 
teach them the way. And that goes to the, the Proverbs that we're going to get into here. And really, I mean, throughout the Bible, we, I say a lot of times, we are so Old Testament illiterate, Proverbs especially, there's so much in there that still matters, still guides us. This is still how God sees parenting, and it's, the modern thing is always thinking we've outsmarted God, we've outgrown biblical wisdom, that we, that the experts have figured it out. Proverbs, a bunch of times, says discipline your kids, you know, of, yeah, it, Somebody, listener, probably not going to be happy about this. Joe brought up gentle parenting. A few months ago, we commented on it for like 30 seconds and moved on. And we said, yeah, the verse doesn't say spare the rod, spoil the child. It says he who spares the rod uh, hates his son. And I got an email saying, actually, the Bible doesn't say spare the rod, spoil the child. I sent back the quote like, yeah, no, we, 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 we acknowledge, we acknowledge that. that. Right. It says spare the he who spares the rod hates his son. But there's a bunch of them. Proverbs uh, 1918, discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. Essentially, don't don't let them become the kind of person you can't stand to be around. Um, you've got, uh, oh, I mean, a whole bunch of these Proverbs 23, 13 and 14. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Uh, Sheol. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. How about that one in this context? When the wicked increase, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Correct your son and he will give you comfort. He will also delight your soul. That if you just let them go off on this way, it says, number one, it's going to bring shame to the mother. We had that one about you're going to hate your son and desire his death because they're so odious, they're so obnoxious. But this, that if you take the time to give them correction, he'll give you comfort. He's going to be a delight. You know, the the John or third John thing of no greater joy than my children to walk in truth. If you don't be buddy-buddy with your kids or put them on a pedestal, as we've seen, you know, the the kids, those of us of our generation that grew up with a great relationship with their parents, it's because that hierarchy was there. And then you get to have that adult relationship, but you can't have that with a two-year-old. I brought up that exact point in the Godly Young Men podcast, one of our recent episodes that we did, you know, again, talking to young men about, hey, don't disrespect your parents. You you have you have to obey. You have a right or not a right. You have a duty, I should say, a responsibility to submit and to obey is that, look, you want that best friend, buddy, buddy relationship when you're 25. That shouldn't start when you're 10, 11, 12. And, and starting with that relationship at an early age of, you know, understanding the hierarchy will, will set you up for success later in life as far as that goes. But this brings us to the ultimate question. Again, this is the question that we're going to be putting out on social media, the group think question of the week. Is spanking the best way to discipline young kids in today's climate? And if not, why not? Because people will hear the, the proverbs that you just quoted, Jack, and you know, because we, we toyed with the idea of basically asking is discipline biblical or is spanking biblical? Most people are going to acknowledge that discipline is biblical. All the verses that, that Jack quoted there, obviously, discipline is biblical. The question comes in, and where the disagreement and controversy might come in, what type of discipline? What kind of discipline are we talking about here? I'll be fully upfront. I was spanked growing up. Yeah, that was not a, a bad word in the house. You know, we, we were, me and all my siblings were spanked. I still think that my youngest sibling, Luke, got the got the least amount of spankings, the, as the youngest always does. because um, we're got, the Got away with some stuff there. Right, yeah, smartest. We don't make the same mistakes. But, um... But I remember the first time that I interacted with and knew of a family that did not spank. And it was like mind-blowing to me. I, I just assumed naturally that everybody did that. 
you know, and, and when I found out, oh, there's families that don't, it, you know, as somebody who grew up in a household where spanking was normal, it kind of blew my mind. But now, goodness, goodness, that was 10 years ago. Now, I should say probably 15 years ago. Now, that's even more prevalent. There's all kinds of different disciplinary uh, methods. And so that's what we want to get into here. And so I'll turn it over to one of you two guys about really this question that we're asking everybody else to respond to on social media regarding specifically spanking. Is it the best way to discipline young kids, specifically in today's climate where there's these things like gentle parenting and other disciplinary methods that other people are really trying to push? I want to speak to a couple things. First of all, I, I didn't actually read the one I, I referenced it, but it was it's Proverbs thirteen twenty four. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. And I've seen people say that rod, it's a measuring rod. He who you know it doesn't make his son live up to a standard. Nice. Like what about that other one we just read twenty three thirteen that says strike him with the rod and he will not die. Basically, it's okay to spank him because it's it's not going to kill him it's better off for him if he gets that kind of discipline. Where does that go in all of this? And so you've got that side of things, um, you know, that that is a misinterpretation. Another misinterpretation is, uh, uh, this is a big straw man people build up, is anybody who spanks their kids, it's because you can't control yourself and you're just getting angry and hitting them. Like, there's a big difference. You know, we've all been teenage boys, played sports, all that. Times where you start shoving a guy or if – I don't know if you guys ever got into a fight. And, I mean, Joe and I got in some fights. We're brothers, you know. Uh, got For some reason, I feel like Jack got in way more fights than me or Joe did. Uh, thousand percent. <laughs> 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 have, have him tell him some of your hockey stories from time to time. Maybe we'll hey, save that for the deep end. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Two times guys tried to start fights with me. I let them hit me until uh, they got tossed out of the game. That is true. So there's oh, some smart. there's some restraint. There you You've been in a couple more fights than another that. time. Yeah. <laughs> I no, I never I never threw a punch. Literally. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I got to defend my own honor here. Okay. <laughs> um, anyway, so what I'm saying here though is. We know acutely when somebody is flying off the handle and they're just out of rage taking a swing at somebody. And you know what? Some people do parent that way. Oh, my kid's making me mad. I, I can't stand them. And, you know, yelling at your kids and, and just going and start swinging, not okay. On the other hand, the insinuation that anytime you spank your kid, that's what you're doing, that's just dishonest. I mean, you can have a totally calm, straightforward discussion with your child and say, look, this is the line in this family. You have been told that if it, you know, with my daughter, it's if you lie, this is the punishment for it. If if we know that you're lying to us and we catch you in it, this is what's going to happen. And I, you know, it's not, you lied to me. I can't believe that. Come here. I'm going to, that's not how it works. Like you, you have to have the control to not do that. But I, it really frustrates me when you come to this discussion that people equate it, that anytime you do that, that's what you're doing is you're just a rage monster who wants to hit a kid. Read the Proverbs. I mean, so this dishonest. is a, I get that the world can come at it from that way. They do believe in radical individualism. They do believe in all kinds of these these ideas we've talked about that Christians believe that. Tells me, again, people aren't reading their Bible. Well, exactly. You look at all the evidence, quote-unquote, that people pull out. Actually, it's really bad. It's really traumatic. Here's the issue with that. Correlation does not equal causation. You grow up and you have a traumatic, um, you know, whatever it is, Rarely is it the spanking, especially if the spanking is appropriate. I work with this for a living. I specialize in trauma work. Rarely is it my parents took me aside and they spanked me on the bottom and I just never got over that. No, more often it's I turned to my parents for love and my parent completely neglected me. I went to make a phone call to my parents when I was really in need and my dad told me, don't bother. 
you know, call them back. But the stats want to blame the spanking. But the stats want exactly. They want to blame the spanking. Correlation does not equal causation. You don't know what trauma the kid had. It could have not had anything to do with the parents. That's coming out later. So all of these um, these studies that say actually spanking is really bad for the kid. In my opinion, there's also no real when they way don't to... distinguish between a kid who like got hit upside the head Correct. with something versus. The thing that I just talked about, calmly it's saying physical that abuse, was... right. Yeah. It's they're not. Like, they're all... Uh, yeah, I mean, if you start with that premise, and I know all the studies didn't do this, but a, a lot of them it is that of we're going to beg the question by inserting that you got spanked, so uh, you are all the same. Every form of corporal punishment is exactly the same. It's just not. That's right. And to your point, spanking and anger is not right in the least. What you need to do is calm down as a parent. Make sure you're not initially, I mean, again, that's the reactive part, but it can't be three hours later. Kids have a threshold. If it's a young kid, spanking shouldn't be done for a 15-year-old. It doesn't work. That's not, once the relationship is in place, that's not when spanking is for. But there is a psychological and emotional aspect to spanking a young kid. And, And the reason why it's better is young kids don't have the ability to process and to reason and think through things logically. That's why they have to have concrete things. Abstract ideas like grace and abstract ideas like, you know, doing better for for whatever reason because, you know, this is really going to affect you when you grow up. They don't have any concept of that. You know what they have concept of? Physical pain. That's why as a young age, and I think to that verse of like, hey, discipline them while there's hope. If you get to the teenage years and decide you're going to start spanking, way too late. Spanking can be a really good thing if it, again, is done appropriately. It's not done out of anger. It's done on the bottom with either you know your hand or with something that is not intended to wound it's intended to get their attention it's yes it's intended to hurt and to cause physical pain because that's what's going to help them associate that the same thing is your kid reaches for the outlet at two years old what do you do hey son you probably shouldn't touch that he doesn't (laughs) care he can't reason you pop him on the hand and he goes ouch that hurts and he starts to associate if i reach for the outlet my hand starts hurting huh that's interesting i guess i won't do that again same principle, same concept. Here's what I hate. Well, we'll kind of transition to the next ones. I have a real issue with timeout because, in my opinion, I was opinion, hoping you'd get into this. In my this opinion, take. I look at timeout, and you know, you've acted out. You need to go. You need to go to your room, or you need to go to the specific part of the house where nobody is, and think about what you've done. Okay, on the surface, I can understand that. You want to give some time for the kid to think about that and to really logically maybe process through. Don't do it at a young age. The kid can't logically process. I'll tell you how most kids handle it. When I get in trouble, I'm isolated from the family. When I get in trouble, I get kicked out of the family, and I have to be good and, and act well in order to be a part of the family. That's ultimately what we're telling kids. How much worse off is that than to take your kid into your room, spank him, have the conversation of, here's why I spanked you. This isn't right. I love you, and I always love you. Let me give you a hug, but I do expect better. Which one is more psychologically damaging to the kid? isolate him for who knows how long and let him think about what he's done, which means you're not, no longer part of the family, or have a swift justice that is not done out of anger, it's done out of control, you know, in a controlled state, and done out of a sense of, I love you and I'm calling you to something better. Which one's better? We all know the answer, but because we'd rather not hit the kid because that has that's horrible, we would isolate the kid and tell him he's not part of the family until he starts acting right. Where did this where did this come from? I really don't like timeout for that reason. I think isolation is always bad, and it turns into all sorts of things, and maybe that's because of the fact that I specialize in sex addiction, and almost every single sex addict I work with has it rooted in isolation, feeling lonely and feeling abandoned. I really think that's a problem. We need to, you know, we need to be there with them through thick and thin. And the last thing I'll say is, you know, just getting them to hear, you know, I they said sorry. 
they said sorry. Or I rushed into the room and I could just tell that they were really, and that's another thing that happens to the household, I could just tell that they were really, you know, contrite. When I walked in, they were sorry after having just blatantly disobeyed him. Um, well, what do we do in that situation? Because his heart was right, I decided not to discipline him. Yeah, your kid's punking you, man. He's, he's playing you. These kids can put on, they can turn on the waterworks like that, and you go, well, I guess the heart's right. There's no discipline there, and the kid learns as long as I play the part of looking sorry, I get out of get out of you know discipline. That's not okay. Well, also biblically, David Psalm fifty one, you know, said, God, I know you don't want just a sacrifice. You want the broken and contrite heart. I will give you that, and then I'll go give the sacrifice. Not well, cool. I don't have to make a sacrifice anymore because you know I, I I'm sorry. See, uh, see, I'm very sorry right. inside, and and so all of the God's wrath is one last thing I want to talk about is you are trying to model God. God punishes. There's this idea out there that people will, will preach sometimes that God doesn't send anybody to hell. He just lets them choose it. That's not true. Read your Old Testament once again, but read your New Testament once again as well. I mean, this is throughout the Bible of punishment, consequences, and, and there is the negative motivation and the positive motivation. And you want to help the kid just as you want a Christian to grow to loving the positive so much that that's the biggest motivation, but the negative is always there. And, and you have to realize that and factor it in to everything that's there. You called out timeout. I'll call out counting. Telling your kid you don't have to obey until I get to three is telling them you can mess around and do what you want. Like that's my so command true. is not that serious. And so that's another one of these modern wisdom things that doesn't fit how it works, how God works. You're teaching your kid right and wrong. And you're teaching your kid that you do what's wrong, there's going to be consequences. Steer them towards what's right, and if they start to go towards what's wrong, it's not a, hey, let's let's guide you back on the path. Hey, maybe don't go that way. It's, no, that's wrong, and here's why. And you think about that, that common phrase, the, the, punish, the punishment's got to fit the crime. There are, those are, you know, that's the reason why spanking is something, you know, typically associated with younger ages. Why don't you spank a 16-year-old? Because it doesn't have the same effect on them. You know, they're going to be more affected by other things. But guess what? You still use the discipline that's going to show them what is right and what is wrong. It's going to affect them in different ways. And so the issue as far as spanking young kids, you guys said it well. I don't want to echo everything that you said. It's something that, you know, you can cite however many studies that you want about, you know, harming the kids' mental health or, or harming the kids' future. One of the things that we can look at, and this is what we started with talking about, kind of the cultural issues with kids, what has changed? There have been numerous things that have changed, but you look around again, you see disrespect is at an all-time high. You see kids, their mental health is at an all-time, or mental lack of mental health, I should say, is at an all-time high. You've got all kinds of societal problems with kids addicted to screen, you know, just a billion things that we could cite. What has changed? And again, numerous things. One of the things that has changed is parenting styles. I hear older people say, and I, I tend to, and I probably shouldn't do this, I tend to roll my eyes a lot. Not uh, Inwardly, I tend to roll my eyes a lot of what older people say because I think sometimes they're not super plugged in. But when I hear them say, I got spanked growing up, I turned out pretty good, I agree with that for the most part. You look at the generations that spanking was the discipline. Timeout was not a thing. Counting down one, two, three, that wasn't a thing for them. Guess what? They turned out to be pretty well adjusted. They turned out to know right and wrong. They turned out to know, uh, you know, con actions have consequences. And if I do the wrong actions, I'm going to be punished whether I quote unquote learned the lesson or not. There are consequences for it. We've got generations of kids that are missing that, that they don't get that. They don't get that if they make the wrong decision, there can and should be consequences and punishments for it. And so 
maybe it's time to look at, as we're sitting here advocating for, the differences in parenting style that might have led us to this point in our society. I think one thing I would say to that before we get out of here is a lot of times the first thing people will say is, well, everyone was messed up back then and they were just hiding it. There was all kinds of, you know, family problems and, and things that, that, you know, you just didn't hear about and, and it came out later. There certainly were those things, but to act like we are better off now under these formats is ridiculous. Than, I mean, children's mental health and suicide. I mean, the statistics of everything, LGBT, I mean, like kids are kids are thrown to the wolves right now and it is worse than i think they're more violent they're more drug abuse drugs more like all kind of things yeah it is not in a good state and so to act like we're better off now no we just really weren't we are running out of time here we've got a few more things we're going to discuss in the deep end segment again it's a focus plus exclusive uh i've got a part i want to bring into this a biblical thing we did not talk about and that is the father mother gender role issue in in creating the family's discipline structure that the bible talks about that we kind of gloss over because we're just talking about parenting in general and so we're going to get into that we're going to get into some of our, our our own struggles again we are not the experts we're going to you know talk about some of the ups and downs things we've learned maybe from gentle parenting um the the bone the good that we can take and the bones spit out we talked about a lot here and so focus plus or focuspress.org slash plus Join us, uh, become a member. You can get the deep end segment. Again, there will be a post on Focus Plus. If you're one of our subscribers, you can comment, question, give your feedback. We will bring that into the deep end as well, and we will release that Friday. Will, I was just going to say, add? Joe, and I'll, I'll let you wrap if you want. I want to push again. We are going to be asking this. This is the question that we want to get the feedback on. We want to get the responses to. And also, if you have other questions, that's what we're going to be directly responding to, uh, in addition to all the things that Jack just talked about in the deep end segment. So if you have something that you want us to cover, a question, maybe an angle we didn't hit, let us know. Um, obviously, if you're a Focus Plus subscriber. Uh, but then also, even if you're not and you're on Facebook, you're on social media, let us know your thoughts about spanking. Is it the best way to discipline young kids in today's climate? We know there's differing opinions on it. We have clearly stated what ours are. We'd like to, you know, see what what does uh, I guess what is the consensus? You're probably not going to change our mind because we feel very passionately about this. But it is something that we wanted to encourage the dialogue here. So, I'll, Joe, I'll let you wrap us up there. I just wanted to sure. put that in there. Jack, do you have anything else? Okay. Uh, I I do want to reiterate. Think deeper. Will remain free every single yes, Monday. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's the deep end and and the other perks of Focus Plus that will be behind the paywall. And so we really encourage you to join us there. But if you do not, you will get these episodes every single week. I was just going to wrap up by saying this. Just a general call to parents. What I was going to say is the world's been around for 6,000 years. Not one generation of parents has ever gotten it right. You know, an entire generation. This is a pendulum swing where we're trying to get it right. We looked at the past issues where they were trying to, you know, they, they didn't get it right. A lot of issues, as you talked about, Jack. We've swung the pendulum. What does that tell you? There is no quote-unquote generational getting it right. There is you and your kids and leading them unto the Lord. There's grace when you mess up. You aren't the thing that gets your kids to heaven. You're not. From a parenting perspective, you don't get your kids to heaven. Christ does. However, the things that you do, the boundaries you set, and, and what you call them to very much plays a role in you helping them get to heaven. And so just remember that, that... You know, it's you're not going to get everything right. Don't beat yourself up when you don't. Just strive to be better. We're pushing our kids to do the same. That's what we're all about here is to think deeper and to do better. And so that's what I call everybody too is listen to your kids' emotions, sure. Set the boundaries, love them to death, and call them to, to be better as that's what we're calling everybody to do and calling ourselves to be better. So 
With that, we really appreciate you listening. Please sign up for Focus Press Plus if you can, if you're interested. Uh, tons of good content, even if you're not into it for the, the deep end. Tons of other good content. We're excited about it. But thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again next week. Thank you.